Okay, well, we are continuing on in the Gospel of John, and we are in John chapter 7. Um, and we're going to be talking about faith during persecution. Now, if you'll remember two weeks ago uh, when we were talking about the healing that took place at Bethesda and Jesus told the lame man that he healed, get up and carry your, roll up your bedroll and carry it. And it was a Sabbath day. And the religious leaders lost their mind. They, they failed to see that this guy who had been lame for 38 years had been healed. All they focused on was what? You're carrying your bedroll on, on the Sabbath day. That's all they could see. And so they said, who told, you, who told you to do that? And the guy said, well, the man who healed me. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus told me to do that. And so they went to Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, I do what my father tells me to do. And they went, you're claiming to be the Messiah? Well, he had every right to claim that, right? And, and we finished that chapter with them saying, and they were seeking to kill him. Now that sets the stage because Jesus at that point leaves, goes back, goes up into the Galilee area, and he's preaching all over there because every time he would go down into Judea, somebody was trying to kill him. And you got most of you guys are like going, well, that's a little far-fetched, isn't it? People trying to kill you over your faith? Look around the world. Thousands are martyred every year for their faith. And you're saying, but we live in the United States of America. There's no persecution here. Did anybody follow what was happening down in California last year? Governor Newsom, first he said, churches can't sing. What? Well, we, we have the right to worship any way we choose to worship. And then he closed all the churches and they had to go all the way to the Supreme Court to have that overturned. Went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court found for the churches by a vote of five to four. Okay? We are just now getting a new Supreme Court justice that very easily could have been five to four to uphold the governor's ban for churches to meet because they were non-essential. Folks, it's coming. This is just a foretaste of what is coming in the future. And should we be prepared? How should we live when faith comes? So I'm going to take a few, take uh, out of chapter 7, we're going to look at what Jesus did and how we can apply this into our life situation so that when persecution does come, not if it comes, when it comes, because it will come, that we're prepared. So we're not sitting here going, oh, what should we do? It will come. So John chapter 7, we're going to start with the first nine verses. And after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. <coughs> Excuse me. 
<coughs> now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, and this is going to uh, play a significant part in this story, was near. Therefore his brother said to him, leave here and go into Judea so that your disciples also may see your works which you are, you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourself. Do not, I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet come, fully come. And having said these things, he stayed in Galilee. <clears throat> so let me kind of set the stage for you. If you remember from, a, from previously, there's seven different festivals that the Jews celebrated, still do. Of those, there were three that they, that they had to go to. The first was Passover. They, if anybody was close enough, they would go to Jerusalem for Passover. Fifty days later, at the beginning of the, the season, the planting season, they would go to the Festival of Weeks. We call it Pentecost because it's 50 days later, so they would come down for that. And then, at the end of the planting, at the end of the harvest season, they would come back for the Feast of Booths, B-O-O-T-H-S, not booths, booths. It's a hard one to say, for me anyway. So they would come back, and that would be a seven-day Festival. Now, there's other ones that are built in between there, and if you ever want to have a good discussion, Scott's your man. He, he, he's got this all down. But if you ever want to... So, so here they had to come down for this Feast of the Booze. And it was, it was a celebration of a couple things. One, when they came out of... Uh, when Israel finally finished their 40 years in the wilderness it was to celebrate their coming into the land secondly it was to celebrate the harvest they would bring their their uh, tithes of their their food that they had grown during the harvest and they would present it and so i want you to notice that it was his brothers that were speaking to him so who were these brothers? Well, Jesus had four brothers, right? Their names were James. I, I, I'm going I'm to get this right here. Okay, James, Jost, um, Simon, and Jude. James, Jost, Simon, and Jude. Four brothers. Now, were they? They were either half brothers or their stepbrothers, depending on how you want to look at it. Some people believe they were. They were sons of, of Joseph and, and not Mary. Others believe that they were half-brothers of Jesus, so they would be his younger brothers. So there was these four brothers. Now, did you catch in, chapter, in verse 5 what it said? And they did not believe that he was the Messiah. 
So they were giving him advice. Basically, they were saying, hey, brother, you're cramping our style. Everybody's got their eyes on you while you're preaching up here in our home district. And everybody's asking us, well, is that your brother? Is that your brother? Is that your brother? And they didn't like that. And so they were going to give him some, some advice. Go down and show all the people in Judea all these wonderful works. Because what was Jesus doing in Galilee? He was healing. He was healing people. He was feeding the 5,000. He, he was doing all of these great works. And they said, go down to Judea because you want everybody to see you. And Jesus said, it's not my time yet. Matter of fact, he's going to say that several times throughout this. It's not my time yet. We're about six months from the crucifixion. It's not my time. He knew they were going to be arrested. Where would they be? When would they be expecting him to come down? on the first day of the festival, because that's when they were supposed to show up, because they had to build their booth, right? And Jesus said, you guys go on down. I'm not going. They wanted him to promote himself. Well, I want to take a couple things out of this. First of all, in a time of persecution, listen to the Holy Spirit and not unbelievers. Listen to the Holy Spirit and not unbelievers. Now, why do I say that? Because unbelievers look at things from the perspective of the world. If you want to be famous, you get on the big stage, right? That's basically what they were saying to him. Don't sit up here in Galilee performing your, your miracles. If you, want to be, if you want to be famous, if you want the world to know about you, you got to get on the big stage. You got to go to the temple. And Jesus had been to the temple several times, but they said, You need to promote yourself. Isn't that what the way the world is? You need to promote yourself. I get stuff on my computer all the day, all the time that says, How to uh, five business models to help you uh, promote your church. Well, the church is not a business model, folks. The church is God's church. And we don't, need, we don't need to have the input of the world. And they were telling, go down. They didn't believe in him. Go down. But, but Jesus said, hey guys, my time's not come yet. You, you need to go away. And you know what? I'm going to... Uh, I just realized I'm hearing an echo in here. I'm, I am going to turn my tablet down. I'm like, who has got their radio on this morning? I, I'll tell you a little, when I, was, when I was young, anybody remember transistor radios? Sunday was the seventh game of the World Series. And one of, one of, the, one of the elders in the church that I was in, it, it was playing during church time. And he had his little transistor radio. And remember, he had a cord that came out, and he had a single earplug. And he had it in. 
and he's over there, and, and you'd see him get his face real excited. Finally, the pastor said, Gene, what's, what's the score? And he just turned all red, you know. Well, the pastor got caught. Okay, let's move on. Let's go, let's go to uh, John. Uh, let's go to verses 10 through 15. But when the brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast and were saying, where is he? And there was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. Some were saying, he's a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he leads people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. But when it was now the midst of the feast, middle of the, middle of the seven days, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. And the Jews were astonished, saying, How has this man become learned, having never been educated? You see, Jesus divides people. You cannot be on the fence with Jesus. You see, some of them said, Hey, this guy is the Messiah. And other ones said, oh, he's, he's a good man. You ever hear anybody say that? Who do you think Jesus is? Well, he was a good guy. He was a prophet. He, he said some really, really good things we ought to live by. But he's not the son of God. Others got into an argument over what seminary he went to. What rabbinical school did, you, did he study? And they knew he didn't study under any of the rabbis at the temple. He's an unlearned man. Jesus dif- divides us. It will divide family. Easter's coming up. What are the two things that you don't talk about around the, around the Easter table with all your family? Religion and politics. Right? And football teams, depending on if you follow football. But religion and politics, right? Because everybody's going to get in the middle of that one. Jesus divides people. Matter of fact, Jesus told us that. In Luke chapter 12, 51 to 53, it says, Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? Right? Isn't that the song we sing uh, at Christmas time? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. But what did Jesus say? I tell you no, but rather division. For from now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided father against son, and fa- son against father, and mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Jesus divides people, because you can't be on the fence with Jesus. He either is the Son of God, or he's not. And these people had the same problem. All of them were expecting him to come down to the feast because he, is, he had been came, became known <coughs> over, all of, over all of Israel because of what he was doing. 
You can't go out and heal people and raise people from the dead and feed 5,000 without people knowing. And people wanted to hear. And his words were words of life. Jesus divides people. Well, as we go on into what's happening here at the temple, we're going to see how Jesus reveals himself and he talks about himself to the religious people because that was the big opposition, wasn't it? They were the ones who wanted to kill him. Matter of fact, we're going to see this in this part of the chapter where he's saying, you guys want to kill me because I healed a man on the Sabbath? Really? So let's look at uh, 16 through 36. Jesus answered them and said... My teaching is not mine, but he is who sent me. If anyone, anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true and there is no unrighteousness in him. Did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you carries out the law. Why do you seek to kill me? And the crowd answered, You have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? And Jesus answered them, I did one deed, and you marvel. For this reason Moses has given you circumcision, not because it was from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath... You circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so the law of Moses will not be broken. Are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So some of the people in Jerusalem were saying, Is not this the man whom they're seeking to kill? Look, he's speaking publicly, and they're doing nothing to him. The rulers do not really know that this is the Christ, do they? However, we know where this man is from. And whenever the Christ may come, no one knows where he is from. When then Jesus cried out in the temple, teaching, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from. I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. And so they were seeking to seize him. And no man laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. But many of the crowd believed in him, and they were saying, when the Christ comes, Will he not perform more signs than those which this man, will he? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. Therefore Jesus said, for a little while longer I am with you. Then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and will not find me. And where I am you cannot come. And the Jews said to one another, 
where does this man intend to go that he, we will not find him? He is not intending to go into the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, is he? That is the statement that he said, you will seek me and will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. These Jewish leaders were a despicable group of men, actually. They were seeking to kill Jesus. Why? Because he healed a man on the Sabbath? And I want you to watch what Jesus does for them. He starts out in, in verses 19 to 20, and he says, you want to kill me. Now, now, what was the reaction of the crowd? Somebody wants to kill you? You gotta be crazy. Well, it's not too far down the road that they actually are gonna do this, right? He said, but Jesus said, yeah, they wanna kill me. You wanna know why they wanna kill me? Because I healed on the Sabbath. And Jesus looks at them and says, just the fact that you want to kill me makes you breakers of the law. Because what did Exodus 20, 17, part, the sixth commandment says, you shall not murder. He says, you guys want to kill me because I healed on the Sabbath? He said, so the, the law condemns you at the base level of you want to murder me. And then he goes on to say, not only that, but you condemn me for healing on the Sabbath? When you circumcise on the Sabbath. So, so remember, circumcision takes place on the eighth day, right? And if that fell on the Sabbath day, the, the Pharisees said, hey, it's okay to circumcise on the Sabbath day. That's not breaking. And, and what was Jesus' argument? If you can circumcise on the Sabbath day and you're condemning me because I made a man entirely well? He says, you are condemning yourselves by your own rules. You see, that wasn't written in any place in the law. That was their rules that they made. Well, then he goes on and he says, you condemn your own selves because you can't touch me. You want to kill me. You want to have me arrested. But you don't even have the power to come and touch me. Because my hour is not yet come. You cannot touch me. You can't challenge my teaching. Because where does this teaching come from? comes from the Father. If you want to challenge my teaching, you've got to challenge Yahweh. Because that's where my teaching comes from. And then he, he winds it all up with, and you're not even going to be able to find me because I'm going to my Father. I'm going to heaven. And you're not going to be able to follow me to heaven. Because you don't even know who Yahweh really is. You have failed to realize that Messiah is here among you. The one who you've been reading about in the Old Testament for all of these years is here with you. 
and you can't even see it. So you're not going to be able to find me. And of course, they're like going, well, where is he going to go that we can't find him? Because we are, we are the Sanhedrin. We have, the Sanhedrin had their own temple guard that they could send out. Remember how, how Paul, when he, was, when, when he was named Saul, they gave him orders. You go to Damascus and you arrest the Christians there, the Jewish believers there, and bring them back here. See, they had power to do all, of, all kinds of things. And they had, there were synagogues in every town. And they had their own network. He said, he can't go anyplace and we don't know where he is. Well, he says, I'm going to go back to my father and you're not going to be able to find me. And they've been spending, they spent 2,000 years looking for the Messiah. And he's been at the right hand of his father all of that time. You see, Jesus <coughs> looks to these guys and he says, my time's not done yet. You're, you will have your chance because Satan's going to use you to fulfill God's plan. But in the midst of all, all of the persecution that was going on, Jesus was saying, you failed to see the truth. He, can, he continued to teach what? The truth. To everyone who would listen. And what did some of them do? It said some of them believed. You see, why do we, why do we continue to preach the gospel in the midst of prosecution? Persecution. Prosecution. Comes from the police officer side of me, right? From persecution. Because it is in the middle of bad times when people come to Jesus. When we come to the time of the tribulation, why does God send seven years of tribulation on the earth? Anybody know why? To get people saved. To give them one last opportunity to understand that they need to know him. Well, we're going to go on to 37 to 39 and we're, I'll give you a little bit of explanation because this is what Jesus does here is powerful. He is going to give one of the most powerful demonstrations of who he is in two verses. And now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water, but this he spoke of the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit had not yet come, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So the Feast of the Booths, on day one of the seven days, the priests would go down and they had a large vessel, gold vessel, and they went down to the Pool of Shalom, and they filled it full of water. And they packed this, this big vessel, this golden vessel, back up into the temple. And every day, they would take a little bit of water, and they would dip it out of there, and they would pour it out on the ground. 
And that was to symbolize a couple things. One, when the Jews were in the desert, there were several times when they, they came to a place and they didn't have water, right? And, and Moses and Aaron had to intercede for them and he gave them water. One was it gushed out of the rock, the other he actually purified the water that was there. And so it was to symbolize that, G, that God took care of them, provided the water for them, even when there was none to be found. The other was to be thankful for the rains that came to give them the harvest. And so every day they would dip a little bit out and they would, they would pour it on the ground right there in the temple. On the last day of the temple, the great day, as it says here, on the very last day, the priest would overturn this big vessel of water and water would run out through the temple, out to where Jesus was preaching. Now, I want you to, with that in mind, okay, water is running out of the temple. It's, it's running under his feet. And he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Do you see the impact of what's happening as Jesus stands there literally with the water from the temple running under his feet? He said, I'm the living water. Come to me. And all of those people looked. Now some of them understood what he was saying. And some of them did not. But in the midst of persecution... We have to be the ones that point people to Jesus. We have to be the ones that are going to draw people just as Jesus did to the woman at the well. Say, this is the living water. We have to be the ones that are boldly. Do you see where he's standing? In the middle of the, he's standing in the temple proclaiming to these people, I am the living water. You do this ceremony and yet in a few minutes or hours the pavement will be dry. When he hung on the cross it's dramatic. And what were his last two, wor two words? Well, three words. It is finished. Uh, it's done. It can't be no more final than this. I have given the very last sacrifice that ever needs to be given. We have to preach in the midst of prosecution, persecution. Uh, turn off the cop brain, Ben. In the middle of persecution, we have to preach the gospel. Well, let's, let's finish up the last verses here. forward that we're going to do 40 through 52 and some of the people therefore when they heard the words were saying this certainly is the prophet 
Others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David, from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. The officers, the temple guard, then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said to him, Why didn't you bring him in? And the officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. And the Pharisees then answered them, You have not been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers or the Pharisees have believed in him, has he? But the crowd which does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to him before, being one of them, said to them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows that he is what he is doing, does it? And they answered him, You are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. And then it says, Everyone went to his home. God says to us, we go back. <laughs> there we go. Come on. Everyone must make their own choice. Jesus looked at them and, and he said, I've made the statement. I am the living water. And look at the reaction. <coughs> Some people said, he is the prophet. Do you remember when they came to John, that was one of the questions they asked of John. Are you the prophet? And that comes out of Deuteronomy 18.15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen, and you shall listen to him. That was Moses speaking. God will raise up a prophet like Moses. Is he the prophet? See, they, didn't, they weren't ready to make that next step to, is he the Messiah? But some of them, some of them said, he's the Messiah. I believe. Who could do this other than the Messiah? They were true believers. You see, some people, want, they're not quite there. They're seeking. They understand that he's a great person. They're seeking, and it happens in the world today. If you find somebody who's a seeker, they're not quite there yet ready to say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But they're willing to say, you know what? This makes sense. What you're saying, I'm not quite there yet, but what you're saying sounds, sounds good, but others already they make this they make the leap right they they make themselves open to the gospel and they say jesus thank you you are the son of god you are exactly who you say you are 
And then others wanted to argue about his birth, his lineage, right? Do you, do you ever have people who want to argue religion with you? And they have no clue what the Bible says? Hunter's over here shaking his head. Right? Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. You know, the Bible's full of contradictions. Is it? Kim, would you like to show me one? Oh, well, let's talk about that. Jesus is from Galilee. All they had to do was what? Go talk to mom and dad. Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem. Because he was a descendant of who? David. See, 30 years had passed. People forgot where Jesus was born. Nobody bothered to ask the hard questions, right? And so they just wrote him off. He's from Galilee. And there will be people that will write him off. There will be people that want to argue. And I, I think this is interesting, that even the temple guards, they refuse to do their duty. Now, now what can happen if you refuse to do the duty of, of the high priest? Exactly. Off with your head. At the very least, you're, you're not going to be a temple guard anymore. But they said, nobody spoke like this man. I fully believe that there were these, these guards that were sent out, they were part of those that were saying, he's got to be Messiah. The other thing that I think we have to remember, especially in these times, is... God is always right on time. How many times did he say, my time has not yet come? I, I have a firm belief that nobody can take a, a, a person of God off this earth until God is finished with them yet. If God's not finished with you, I, I don't care what happens, they can't touch you. The Apostle John, old man, Domitian, the, the, the Roman emperor, Domitian wanted to kill him. And so they lit him on fire. And what happened? He wasn't burned up. The fire went out. So they sent him to Patmos to die. And what did he do on Patmos? He wrote the book of Revelation. The most revealing book. Of, I mean, he got to be got caught up into heaven. He got to see heaven. And, and, and then he got to see all of the future that was going to happen. And he wrote it all down. God gave him, the, he, he gave him the words and he wrote the book of Revelation. See, God was not finished with John yet. And, and if God is using a person, they're not done until God says he's done. Jesus said, my time has not yet come. The guards couldn't touch him. The people couldn't touch him. The time was not yet come. And I think we have to apply that in our lives. 
God is always right on time. You may be going through a time in your life, and you're like going, this is hard. I hurt. It may be physical. It may be mental. It may be emotional. But God is taking you through that time. And you can rely on this. He will be there right on time for whatever you need. And at some time, he's going to say, okay, now I'm going to take all of this you've been through and I'm going to use it for my glory. And I've experienced that a number of times in my life and I'm sure many of you have also. But remember, when you get discouraged, when you think, I can't go on one more step, Who's carrying you? Jesus is. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God will take care of us. He will be right on time. I want to mention one more person out of this, and that's Nicodemus. Nicodemus, the one who came to him in the night, the Pharisee, he is a Pharisee, he stands up and he says, hey, we don't condemn anybody, do we, without hearing them? I don't know whether Nicodemus ever fully trusted Jesus Christ. Uh, we see him a number of, several times, but it never tells us that he was a true believer. I don't know. We will find out when we get to heaven. But Nicodemus stands up and he, and he defends Jesus. And they say, are you a Galilean also? Did, did you convert also? And Nicodemus doesn't say anything. Well, Jesus talks about that in Matthew 10, 32 to 33. Therefore, Everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before his fa my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. And you know, I, I, for those who, who are follow Facebook or one of those social media, <coughs> you, you quite often see the, the, the little thing that says, uh, you know, if you do not deny Jesus Christ, click and share and paste and whatever. We're not talking about that. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about people who stand up in the midst of persecution. And there will come, there will come a time, I believe, when you're going to have to stand up and say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. And I follow him fully. And I will take whatever consequences that is. And there will be a lot of people who say, I, I, I don't want to mention him out loud. I want to be a secret agent Christian. Anybody ever known a secret agent Christian? Yeah, they're out there. They... That, oh, I don't want people to be upset with me. So I'm not going to really say anything about Jesus. 
But, but I'm saved. Where does, where does this confession take place? Therefore, if anyone com- confesses me before who? Man. There will be a time when persecution comes and we have to step up and say, he's my Savior, he's my Lord, he's the one I serve. Just like the three Hebrew, Hebrew children who failed to bow before Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, oh, you realize I'm going to throw you in the fire? You realize I'm going to burn you up, disintegrate you? My God is able. He's able to deliver, and even if he doesn't deliver us from the fire, we're going to be in heaven with him. I will totally trust him. We confess the Lord as our Savior every time we take communion. When we come to communion, we we do it in what? In remembrance of him. And as we come to communion today, you know, we're, we're not in a great, we're not in a great time of persecution today. But I can guarantee you there are churches today that are meeting in China. Some of them are meeting in, in houses with the windows all blocked out. Some of them are literally meeting in caves. And they're remembering the communion that Jesus gave. Where do we have the power to stand for him? We have the one confidence that his blood was sufficient for our salvation. His blood sealed the promise that we have of heaven. Without that, we have nothing.